Hello and welcome to a special episode of the Boys in Red and White podcast. As always, I'm joined by my best friend, Andre Grayson. Hello, Mr. Dow. Hello. And today we've decided to take a break from our usual structure and instead discuss our favourite players of the Emirates era. But we are restricting ourselves by squad numbers. So when we say this, we both have a list of the players who have held the numbers 1 to 11 in front of us since we moved to the Emirates in 2006. And throughout this podcast and throughout the next podcast, we're going to discuss some of those players and place them into an order. As an example, for number one, we've got a list of all the goalkeepers and we need to rate them and list them into an order of one, two, five or however many goalkeepers there were. Now, this is going to be based purely on their performance, but there might be a little bit of how much we like them as well. So if we disagree, then obviously we'll try and convince the other to side with our opinion. And eventually we're going to come up with a complete list, which hopefully everyone agrees on. Andre, how excited are you about this project? <laughs> I really am excited. The moment I, you and I had this sort of discussion... I've been pretty excited since. And as we discussed, we haven't done anywhere near enough research, uh, which means it's going to be pure opinion, which means it will be terrible. So that's going to be great as well. Yeah, so that, that's what you want. At the start of a podcast, you want uh, one of the co-hosts to say it's going to be terrible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's going to be brilliant. I'm very excited. I really am. I'll try, I'll try and edit out the other bit. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really excited about this because, as you know, Andre, I love a squad number. You do. And I also hate it when certain players take ridiculous numbers based on their positions. So I don't want to name any names, Lucas Torreira, but I'm looking at you. <laughs> I forget. So the list of goalkeepers that have held the number one jersey since we went to the Emirates. They are Jens Lehmann, Wojtek Szczesny, Bernd Leno, Petr Cech and Manuel Almunia. Now, those are not in the, the correct order, but those are the five goalkeepers that have held the number one jersey since we moved to the Emirates. Uh, Andre, would you like to kick us off with any one of those? Yeah, I'd like to start. Well, I'm going to go chronological. So I'm going to start with Jens, 07-08. So I think it's really tricky looking at this list because there's someone else on this list, Chesney, that I really love, that didn't really hit the heights. Jens is by far... Uh, and away, the most decorated on this list in terms of what we celebrate him for. Whether he's the best keeper or, keeper or not, we could debate. He certainly, it's certainly, and we've already had this discussion off air, but 07-08, I don't think he was that good. The fact he was gazumped and lost his place to Manuel Almunia <laughs> concerns me greatly. He had a pretty poor season, 07-08. But for me, when I looked at this list... He surely, by default, has to be number one, although he probably isn't because he wasn't that great that year. I'm glad that you jumped in and said he surely has to be number one because of how decorated a player he is. And I would put him as number one as well because realistically, okay, Manuel Amunia was pretty much a disaster. Chesney, although was an unbelievably likeable character and has turned into a fantastic goalkeeper, when he was at Arsenal, he had periods where he was a complete liability. Bert Leno, I don't think he's been at the club long enough to really um, have usurped Jens Lehmann and Petr Cech, again, was not an overriding success. So I don't really have too much to add, except for I loved Jens because he was absolutely nuts, but he was a great goalkeeper. And as you say, in, in the Emirates era, he was on his way out a little bit, but he was still a reliable character and, and obviously someone that was good to have in the dressing room as well. 
for sure, for sure. I also think I look at all of these goalkeepers and they lived such a different version of Arsenal. Almunia's biggest problem is he switched off in the big moments. You couldn't rely on him. So he probably looked worse than he was. He was sort of the epitome of a goalie that does not work at a big club. Certainly a, a really, you know, we didn't concede many chances between 08 and 12. Not in the way, for example, Burnt Leno looks incredible and our best, you know, he looks like our best goalie we've ever had talent wise. But that's because he's making 20 saves a match. Before he got injured, Leno this season was above Martin Dubravka of Civ like Newcastle. And for saves, he'd made more saves than Dubravka. So he looks amazing, but it's hard to judge him. I always think about Bernd Leno uh, quite similarly to when we signed Richard Wright in 2001. And that's not to say that Richard Wright is a goalkeeper that is comparable to uh, Bernd Leno. But the sheer number of chances that Richard Wright faced when he was the Ipswich goalkeeper, which prompted Arsenal to sign him, made him look like a far better goalkeeper than he actually was. So I think it's very hard to judge Bernd Leno until you've had a spell where he's not relied upon every few minutes. It's very hard to know what sort of goalkeeper he's actually going to be. I mean, I I, I think we know that he's going to be a, a, a very reliable goalkeeper. But with any goalkeeper, I always think it's very hard to, to, to judge them if they are facing so many attempts because, of course, they have to stay switched on. Like you said with Manuel Almunia, he would switch off at the drop of a hat and make an absolute clangor for no no explainable reason other than he wasn't paying attention. Yeah. However, I would say for pure moments, Almunia's penalty save in the North London derby is a brilliant moment. And he did love a penalty save. But also Almunia has... Bizarre, because I sort of think of him more fondly because of that Watford goal against Leicester, where he, he saves Knockhart's penalty and then in slow motion... Gets, everything about goalkeeping is like get up and quickly jump on top of the ball. And he like slowly gets up and it sort of summed him up. Just, just not what you want your goalkeeper to do. And that's one of my favourite non-Arsenal moments, by the way. And he features heavily. Um, so Manuel gets a shout out. But I have to say, you know, on this list for me, Leno is probably second. Because while he's been number one and for what this team has needed at this time... He's been so important. So he's my number two on this list. I, I, I think I'd, I, I'm, I'm torn between Burt Leno and Chesney because I don't know if this is just my fondness for Chesney creeping through. Um, and I was very lucky that I, I got to meet Wojtek Chesney when I, I went to a bar in London once to watch the Super Bowl and Jack Wilshere and Chesney walked in and it was one of the greatest nights of my life. And it had nothing to do with the uh, NFL. And everything to do with the fact that I spent probably an hour and a half staring at Jack Wilshire and Chesney. <laughs> That's not creepy at all. It's not um, creepy at all. It's not uh, creepy at all. The barman came over and said, uh, oh, do you see Jack Wilshire and Chesney? I was like, yeah, I'm a huge Arsenal fan. And I wasn't going to go over anything. He was just like, oh, come with me. We'll get a picture. And I was like, I feel so awkward right now, but this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing worse. There is nothing more embarrassing than going and ask, asking a, a celebrity particularly an Arsenal player, uh, for a photo. I had to do the same uh, with Robert Pires recently. I went to a screening of the Huddersfield away match two seasons, three seasons ago, not the one that was Wenger's last, the where Lacazette and Iwobi scored. 
um, and Robert Pires were there, and I, I had to snap all the opportunity. But it is incredibly embarrassing. But you you kind of have to do it. Um, was Chesney smoking at the time? He wasn't, but I'm pretty sure that was one of the nights that he got photographed smoking along with Jack Wilshire because obviously. I looked at what they were wearing and I saw the pictures the next day and they were wearing the same thing in the photos so it was that night. Excellent. Well, look. I, I sound like such a stalker. You do. You do. You sound creepy. But this is I, I'm delighted this is the, the avenue we've gone down. The thing with Chesney and the reason I just can't have him is because that level of irresponsibility whilst you held the number one Arsenal was damaging. You know, and that's the thing is that I love Chesney. But I probably loved him more for his off-the-field antics, you know, playing the piano with the It's Happened Again. Uh, you know, I love him for those things. I love the character. Chesney, the character, is my number one. Um, but Chesney, the goalkeeper, whilst he was at Arsenal, for me, he didn't do what Leno did. Again, Chesney, for me, is that one moment where he saved uh, Coit's penalty. Or was it Suarez? Uh, it was a pretty. I think it was Dirk Cow. Yeah, it was Dirk Cow because it because it was a double save, wasn't it? And then he, we went on and won that game, didn't we? I think that was Van Persie with the double. Yep, yep, yep. Header and a, a, a volley at the near post. So for me, I, I've got to demote Chesney to, to third, but only because of the quality Leno has showed. Okay, I think I'm willing to uh, let that one slide because you've uh, you've argued that case very very well, and the fact that my anecdote about Wojciech Chesney just kind of uh, reinforced your opinion. <laughs> I don't think I can really uh, get away with saying he should be he should be second. So we'll go Lehman first, Leno second, Chesney third now fourth I would argue Petr Cech is who I would say fourth and not because he was particularly great but I just think he was better overall than Manuel Armunia <laughs> you, you can't knock that Petr Cech if we're giving Jens some kudos for his previous and prior achievements Petr Cech probably deserves that I think demoting him under Manuel Almunia is a cardinal sin and we would deserve all sorts of abuse um we just can't do it manuel i actually i i, I never thought i thought he was over criticized almunia um but <sighs> he wasn't great he was a bit of a disaster and yeah check was better than him i mean it's all it's all one and good saying that he was over criticized but i remember going to highbury in 2005 when we lost 4-2 at home to manchester united and the goalkeeping of him that night, I think he then, I think Lehman then reclaimed his place after that game. And I cried that night. I was, I was 15 and I, I definitely cried. Was that the 4-2? It was 4-2 and Almunia made me cry. <laughs> okay, he's got to go last for that. Yeah, so thanks, Manuel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so just to clarify, our final grading for our number ones is Jens Lehman at number one, Bert Leno number two, Wojtek Szczesny, number three, Petacek, number four, and Manuel Amunia, number five. Okay, so now moving on to our number twos. Now, in the Emirates era, uh, I believe we've only had three number twos. So we've had... Abu Diaby was number two when we moved to the Emirates. Then we have had Matteo Debushi. And then finally, we've had Hector Bellerin, who is obviously our current number two. Uh, so I'll get us kicked off with this one. 
Now, for me, I don't think there's any question that Hector Bellerin has to be top of that list. Um, I think he, okay, he's had his injury problems and he's struggled to come back from that. But for probably a season and a half, he was very, very at a high level. And I'm thinking primarily in the 15-16 season, he was really, really good that year. And he's had a bit of an inconsistency. But I don't think anyone at Arsenal in that time period hasn't had inconsistency. So I don't think it's fair to sort of mark him down for that. Um, now, Debushi was obviously brought in as a direct replacement for uh, Bakri Sanya. But after he got his injury, that's when Hector Bellerin came in and, and took his place ultimately. So Hector Bellerin has also won three, is it three FA Cups he won? Yeah, because he wasn't in 2014, was he? So three FA Cups as well. So I, I don't, I don't think it's really a question because he's the only one on that list that has actually won a trophy at Arsenal. And Abu Diaby may well have made it onto the top of that list had he not had the amount of injuries that he had. But ultimately, I think it has to be Bellerin at the top. Bearing in mind, Bellerin played fairly injury-free until he took number two. And prior to that, we had Mathieu Debushi, who spent two of his three seasons on the sidelines. And the other one is Abu Diaby. Number two is pretty cursed. Um, I agree with everything you've said. I think Hector is by far and away the best number two on this list. Diaby's such a confusing player to analyse because we discussed his Anfield uh, antics on another pod. On his day, he was brilliant. But he was also incredibly frustrating a lot of the time. Um, and, you know, it, it, the fact he wasn't available was so infuriating. I know it's not really his fault, but it's really hard to judge him. So I think we've got to give Hector number one. I mean, when Debushi played, he looked great. Um, yeah. He really looked like a great replacement for Sanya. Um, but it's got to be DRB, hasn't it? I mean, it, he, he achieved more than than Debushi. Debushi, you know, it's very sad. I remember when we beat... Oh, God, this will really test me. Okay, Barte Borisov, I think he scored a goal upon his return in the Europa League in a 6-0 drubbing. And that was a really sort of emotional goal and you could see what it meant to him. And I just ultimately felt really sorry for him as an Arsenal player. Um, but I think Diaby's my number two. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue with that. That That is the three that I would go for as well. Um, my Obviously, with, with Debushi, my two memories are, are both quite sad memories for him. And one of which is... Obviously, when he uh, dislocated his shoulder on the back of that awful on out of its challenge that pushed him into into the stands, um, and the other one was when we went to White Hart Lane to watch the League Cup, and we that was the night Flamney scored twice. And I remember you and I were both speaking and saying that Debushi was a, a total liability that night, and we and we were waiting for him to be substituted and hoping he'd get substituted. He ultimately never did, but he was a real, real worry that night. And I think that was kind of, that kind of summarised his return from that injury that he had because he was never quite able to pick up the form that made that made we, us sign him. Mm. Yeah, yeah, it's a great shame. He could have, you know, again, like DRB, outside of Arsenal, no one really thinks of these players as, as sort of, the ones that got away, in a, in a sense. Um, yeah. Okay. All right. Number two done. Very good. Now, Ramsey from wide. Sacco across to meet him. Bellerin to support him. Bellerin away from Moreno. Bellerin! Oh, super goal! That is a 
Okay, so number three. Uh, so in order of the players that have taken this shirt, again, there's only three players. So we had Bakary Sanya, and then we had Kieran Gibbs, and then we had Kieran Tierney, who is obviously the current number three. Uh, again, I personally don't think this is particularly difficult to put into an order, but I'll let Andre kick us off. Hmm. Well, do I? can I not just ask you how you feel about a right-back being number three? I hated it the whole time he was at the club, and if he hadn't have been such a fine right-back, uh, I would have probably made more of it. But a right-back should never, ever, ever be number three, and a left-back should never, ever, ever be number two. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Bakary Sanya was possibly the most consistent player we've ever had. Uh, at an 8 out of 10. He wasn't a 7 out of 10. Bakary Sanya had a great game every week. He didn't get torn apart by a single winger. He was just by far and away, by far and away our best right back. He may even be the best right back we've ever had. He's one of the only right backs I think fits into any team in our history and the Invincibles and improves it. He's better than Lauren. Um, okay, he didn't cross so well, but he was unbelievably athletic, unbelievably physical, great presence, rarely injured. I love Bakary Sanya. Um, having said that. I really liked Kieran Gibbs. I think it was great having an academy boy in the team. Ultimately, he just wasn't quite good enough, um, which was frustrating because he had all the attributes. I think he was ruined that night of the Champions League semi-final where he slipped. I don't think he ever... He never really got out of that. Um, and we've discussed many times, I love Kieran Tierney. If we rolled this out over a few seasons, I think he'd have a chance to match Sanya. So there you go. All three in one hit. I barely took a breath because I was so excited by number threes. <laughs> um, <laughs> what say you? Uh, I love Bakary Sanya as well. And like you said, uh, we, we always hear this, this conversation when it comes to Arsenal players about who would get into the Invincibles team. He absolutely would have. And, and for a period, uh, maybe only Cesc Fabregas, who obviously was sort of the, the tail end of the Invincibles, uh, he's the only one that, that I think would get into the pomp alongside Bakary Sanya of that of that invincible side. So that speaks volumes for what a player he was. I think Kieran Tierney has to go second because I think he he just is just going to be a phenomenal left back. And already in the season that he's had, bear in mind how injury disrupted it's been, uh, bearing in mind the pandemic, he's still shown what a fantastic player he is. And to be versatile enough to play centre half as well on occasions. And perform really, really well there. Uh, I just, I just think he's head and shoulders above Kieran Gibbs in terms of his ability. And I also loved Kieran Gibbs, and I was desperate for him to succeed because of him being a homegrown lad. And I, I saw him the first time I ever saw him was at the Emirates Cup when I think he played against Rangers as a left midfielder. And I wasn't really aware of him before that, and he was brilliant. And that was the first time I saw him and he started to kick on and really then became Arsenal's left back. And I think he was probably unfortunate by the fact that we had Nacho Monreal as well because Arsenal tried to play both of them a fair amount. But I think Monreal was just that little bit more consistent than, than Kieran Gibbs. So yeah, I think the, the order has to be Bakary Sanya at number one, Kieran Tierney number two, Kieran Gibbs at number three. Yeah, highest quality number so far. 
Arsenal still on the attack with Arteta. Sanya! Arsenal very much back in the match. Bakary has put them back in it. Bakary Sanya. Okay, so moving on to number fours. Now, <laughs> this is another one that kind of picks itself. So the, the three number fours that we've had are Cesc Fabregas, Per Mertesacker, and Mohamed El Nenei. <laughs> now, while we're on numbers that, that really annoy me, the second he took the number four, it wound me up because he was never, ever going to be a player who played every single game who was an integral part of this Arsenal squad. And I don't know who in their right mind said, Mo, do you, do you fancy number four? I think you you look down on this man's ambition with uh, <laughs> a snootiness that does not befit you. Um so what yeah. you're saying is he was backing himself and he knew he thought I'll play every week I'll take number 4. Yeah, he's the best well, he's still the best Egyptian in the Premier League. He is, yes. <laughs> so there's no, there's, there's no one else of note. Not even so, close. So Not even close. I can't think of one player. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean my brother-in-law helped Mohamed El Nenny move house. Um which is one of my favorite stories and you know if we had took pictures with Chesney and Pires respectively uh, a claim to fame is my brother-in-law helped Mohamed El Nenny move house. Did he take a picture? He didn't. He didn't. But nice, lovely man. Lovely man, I hear. Um, okay. I don't. I don't doubt that at all. I don't doubt that he's a lovely man. I just doubt his ability to play elite level football. Understood. Understood. And and I guess go on. Give us. Um, tell me. I, I I took number three first. So go on. Fabregas and Per. I mean, I think the order that they've been taken in is the order they have to be in. Uh, Cesc Fabregas, and I still stand by this, Cesc Fabregas is the best young player I've seen come through Arsenal. And when he burst onto the scene as a 17-year-old, he was just a breath of fresh air. And bear in mind, when he burst on the scene, he was playing alongside players like Patrick Vieira, like Gilberto, like Edu. And he was the one that stood out invariably. He was the player who really, really shone. And okay, at the early start of part of his career, he was number 15 uh, in the 04-05 season. But the fact that Arsenal were willing to let players like Ray Parler left the summer uh, that, that he got promoted to the first team because Fabregas was so far ahead of everyone at that point. And the following summer, when we were happy to sanction the departure of Patrick Vieira, was largely because Fabregas was showing the ability that he was showing. And Arsene Wenger clearly felt that by keeping Patrick Vieira, that might have held up Fabregas' uh, progress. Now, Fabregas was obviously captain of Arsenal as well for a period. And I, I, I always just enjoyed every single thing about Cesc Fabregas. And it was very expected when he did go. We knew that he wanted to go to Barcelona. But then when the opportunity for us to re-sign him and he went to Chelsea... Uh, I found that really, really hard to take because Fabregas up until that point was probably one of my favourite players of all time. And it really, really hurt the fact that he, that he didn't come back. Um, now, if people have not listened to the interview that Arsblog did with Cesc Fabregas, I would urge all of you to do it because it's fantastic. And it's really eye-opening into how he saw that move as well. Because by all accounts, he expected to come back to Arsenal. He was waiting for Arsenal to match the offer that Chelsea had put in so that he could come back and he was more than happy to do that. But that ultimately didn't happen. 
But I don't think that should tarnish his reputation as an Arsenal player because when he was at the club, he was by far and away our best player. He was the one that led by example. And I don't think there's any question that on this list, he's probably up there with with the best players that we've had at the Emirates, uh, if not the best player. So he has to go top of the list for me. Second, we've got Per Mertesacker. Now, Mertesacker is another player who, who really took a lot of criticism because of his lack of pace. But what he didn't have with pace, he certainly made up for with his reading of the game. His partnership with Lauren Koscielny uh, is probably the best partnership we've had since the likes of Sol Campbell and Colo Torre. So I think his, his role at Arsenal was really, really underappreciated. He joined the club at a time when we'd just come off the back of an 8-2 thrashing at Man United. And he was one of the, the rush signings that we made. And alongside Mikel Arteta, he helped change the direction of Arsenal to something a lot more positive than it could have been because we were drifting at the time. When Robin, when Robin Van Persie left, um, I know it was the same season, um, but we were really, really struggling. And him and Arteta came in and really solidified things within the squad. And I think the fact that he still is with the, with the club uh, in the capacity as the um, academy manager I think I think it speaks volumes for how highly he's thought of at Arsenal. Uh, so I think I've covered Mohamed El Nene as well. So. so just to confirm, that's El Nene number one. El Nene number one, <laughs> Mertesacker two, Fabregas three. Yeah, I, I just got to say, for me, Cesc Fabregas was one of my favourite all-time midfielders at Arsenal. I love Vieira, but he doesn't. I'm a I'm a five foot ten midfielder with no pace. Um, so, and I always related to Sesk more than anyone. Like he was just pure technique. He was pure class, but he, he was a real Arsenal man. And there was an article on the athletic about him yesterday, which was just so wonderful to read. It was about when he was lodging with an Irish family in North London. And uh, he got Arsenal. I know it's like one of those things. Oh, they really get us. So did Per. It's been a pretty good number for that, but Per and Sesk, brilliant sort of aficionados for our club I love Cesc Fabregas um I, I think if we did all of this all-time Emirates era players he'd probably be my number one um so yeah I the, the audience the the order is pretty obvious so Fabregas per El Nene. now Cesc Fabregas ambitious effort it's in Now, number five is interesting. So it's four centre-backs we have in there. So those four centre-backs are Colo Torre was number five when we first moved to the Emirates. Then he's closely followed by Thomas Vermeilen, then Gabriel, and then finally Socrates. This is a tricky one because for me, Colo Torre is number eight. 28, not number eight. He was never number eight. Colo Torre, to me, is KT28. Um... When Vermaelen came in his initial season, I thought we had the greatest goal-scoring centre-half of all time. What we didn't realise was that those goals were covering some fairly glaring flaws in his game. <laughs> <laughs> um, and they weren't really exposed till the following season. 
he belted one in from 25 yards against Blackburn, probably his like fifth or sixth game. And I thought we got the best player I've ever seen uh, from centre half because he was so exciting. And you just thought the number of teams that sat back against us at that time, if we've got a player who can just rocket it in from 30 yards, what an asset. Um, the last two are really hard. So it looks like Socrates probably going to go. Uh, I've enjoyed him. I think he's been a consummate professional. I think he's done the exact job he was brought in to do. Bit of experience. I think it's a bit of a shame Arteta doesn't fancy him, but he's been a good servant to the club. Um, Gabriel, I mean, oh, what could have been? I mean, I thought he was always going to be good. I thought he'd eventually come good. And then when he started to look good, we sold him. Um, you look at the centre-halves we have at the club and it is an absolute disgrace he was sold because he was no, he should have been given and afforded the chances someone like Mustafi got to really see what he could do. Um, this is a really tough one, Tom, because um, I'm really struggling to put Torre in this whilst he was number five at his latter stages of Arsenal. OK, my thinking, and I think... Colo Torre, I did, I actually would probably put him at the top of that list because, again, I think he's carrying a lot of credence from previous seasons. Uh, I I do think some of his errors were far more obvious after the departure of Sol Campbell, which obviously that was before uh, we moved to the Emirates. So I do think his performances did drift off. But out of that list and what we've seen, for me, Colo Torre is still the best of those four. Now, I find it really tough to pick pick second. And I, I, I suspect Gabriel would have made it second had it not been for the fact he wasn't afforded those opportunities. And I, I remember an interview with Martin Keown where he said that Gabriel was the best defender that Arsenal had at the club. And it was very shortly after that that we sold him. So I didn't really understand why. Uh, a big part of that, I think, is he he just didn't settle in England. I think he missed being in probably a hotter climate. And I think the language barrier was, was a, a real struggle for Gabriel. So I was a big fan of him. I really, really was. And I would have loved for him to be at Arsenal for longer because, as you say, I, I think he's a better centre-half than what we have at the club at the moment. And then I've got Socrates as number four. And I think that is because it's probably indicative of the time that he's been at the club as opposed to anything else. Because as you say, he has been a consummate pro. Uh, he's always given 100% for the club. OK, there have been deficiencies in his game, as there are in all of our defenders. But he's not been helped by joining a club that doesn't have a midfield that protects the defence. So it is kind of harsh on him because... I don't think ultimately he's done much wrong to warrant being fourth on that list. But I'd probably have Thomas Vermeilen just ahead of Gabriel and Socrates. But for me, for, for me, I think it's just a toss-up. And Thomas Vermeilen, I think, is purely on the fact that he was there for a period of time more than anything else. We saw more of him. And maybe that plays against him from your perspective because obviously you're thinking more about his glaring errors that were covered up by some of his goal-scoring attributes. Uh, but... I don't know. Now now I'm sort of talking through it. Now I'm kind of thinking Gabriel gets bumped up to number two. That's outrageous because he achieved nothing at Arsenal. As well. like, I, know. I know he won the cup, but Socrates technically also won a cup. Gabriel played brilliantly in that Chelsea, the first Chelsea final. He did. But, but that was his only real good game. He looked good in the back three, but he, he, 
he didn't do much. Socrates got some pretty key goals this season as well. Um, yeah. Not given this, I'm struggling with this one. I, I, look, we got to give Colo number one. You know, Colo's number one. We've, we're, we're happy with that. We're, we're happy with that. Uh, the other three, to be honest with you, could be in any order. Well, it's a bit like actually, I was. I, I've got to take complete credit. I, I listened to the Arsenal Vision podcast, and Clive describes them as three-star hotels, and it's kind. <laughs> it's kind of the perfect analogy, um, because it doesn't matter. They were all of the the remaining three, Vermal and Gabriel Socrates, were flawed but had good qualities in almost equal measure. Um, yes. Any order, I mean, whatever order you've got. I've, I think you went Toure, Marlon, Gabriel, Socrates. I'm happy with. But uh, if he gets it right, he's the type of player who can come on and change a game as Van Persie finds a lovely through ball here. And Liverpool are caught flat-footed again. It's Colo Toure, of all people, furthest forward to give Arsenal a 2-0 lead. OK, so that brings an end to part one of this special podcast. We'll be back next week with part two, where we'll cover numbers six through to 11. Now, there's a lot more players that have had those numbers, so it should be a little bit more interesting, a little bit more difficult for me and Andre to come up with a definitive list. So thank you very much for listening. If you would like to... Follow us on Facebook or Twitter. Uh, we You can find us by searching for the Boys in Red and White podcast. And we've also recently uh, put up an Instagram page, which you can find through searching for the Boys in Red and White. And we also have a website with a blog on called www.theboysinredandwhite.com. So, Mr. Grayson, thank you very much for your time as always. Thank you for your time as always. That was great fun. And we'll be back next week with another podcast. Hey!